in our final two studies of Ephesians chapter 4, we examine the behavior and attitude of the members of the body of Christ. It is not enough that we understand what Jesus asks of us. We are to submit and obey. Today on Drawing Near, we explore laying aside falsehood. So open your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 through 28, and get ready to study with us. Before we begin, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for today, another day that you have blessed us with by your grace and mercy. You don't owe us a single day or a single thing, but it is within your grace, mercy, and love for us that you extend us opportunities to live on this earth. I pray, Father, that we'll take the opportunity that you have given to us and use it for your glory studying your word, praying, living, and loving in the name of Jesus Christ. Help us to address those things in our lives from a Christian perspective. Help us to see this world through your eyes more and more. Guide us through your Holy Spirit. Instruct us through your word. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So let's read Ephesians 4. Verses 25 through 28. Verse 25. Therefore, having laid aside falsehood, each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on the cause of your anger. Do not give the devil an opportunity. The one who steals must steal no longer. Instead, he must labor doing good with his own hands, so that he will have something to share with the one who has need. The first thing that we will notice in these verses is that these commands are very, very basic. They're elementary. These are the things that we learn when we are children. And yet it should be fairly obvious to all of us that we continue to struggle with these issues even after we are mature. Paul begins verse 25 by acknowledging that the believers in Ephesus should have already laid aside falsehood. So he doesn't tell them to lay aside falsehood. He acknowledges that they have laid it aside. We as believers need to not embrace falsehood. The truth is in Jesus. We have embraced the truth. We saw that in our last study. And I think it's from that perspective that Paul tells us, having laid aside falsehood having embraced the truth. So laying aside not just the lying, but laying aside all of the world's sinfulness, all of our sinfulness, all of the devil's sinfulness, laying aside all of that darkness and falsehood, the first thing we are told in verse 25 is each one of you, not collectively as the body, but each member of the body, speak the truth with his neighbor. We are not to lie. We're not to tell white lies. We're not to tell shade of gray lies. We're not to lie. We're to speak the truth with our neighbor. It has been said, if you can't say something good to someone, don't say it at all. Speak the truth or say nothing. We're told in another passage of Scripture that we are to speak the truth in love. So it's not just speak the truth and cut people up 
or hurt people. It's speak the truth and build one another up in love. Now, sometimes speaking the truth in love with someone is still painful. It's still convicting or correcting, challenging. We must make sure that what we say and how we say it is correct in the Holy Spirit. It is not our responsibility to hear it correctly. We should labor over saying something right. We need to, as James says, tame or guard our tongue. We need to manage it. A mature person is able to manage their tongue more and more. So the first thing we're told is to speak the truth with our neighbor. And the basis for that is because we are members of one another. We're part of the same body. We're not to lie to ourselves. This language is the same language we'll see in Ephesians 5 about a husband and wife being members of one another, part of the same body. It's a different unit, but it's the same principle. You don't hurt yourself. You don't lie to yourself. Speak the truth with your neighbor because we are members of one another. Before we pass over this, we need to emphasize, you as a believer are a part of the same body as I am. We are joined. We are one. We are a unit. And I need to see you as part of me, and you need to see me as part of you. I need to see me as part of you. And there needs to be respect and honor and care for one another because we are members of one another. Not just the same body, but we are members of one another. Well, verse 26 tells us, be angry and do not sin. Anger is an issue. It's an issue for almost everybody. Other than marital counseling, the primary counseling I do involves anger issues. And people say, I don't know how to control my anger. I don't know how to deal with my anger. It's something that we embrace from the time we are children, and it continues with us unless we give it over to the Lord. Now, in this verse, what we're told is, be angry. He doesn't say, don't be angry. It says, basically, when you are angry, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on the cause of your anger. In other words, when you are angry, you need to deal with it appropriately. Now, Sometimes that dealing with it is talking to the other individual, talking it out, working it out, working it out without hurting them, without attacking, without doing those things that are harmful to them or to you. Anger does the most damage to the person who is angry. It does the next most danger to those near or in proximity to the person who is angry. Anger, like so many sins, is habitual. Once we get angry, it's easier to get angry again and again and again, even to the point that some people are perpetually angry, and they don't even know why. So first and foremost, we need to guard against getting angry as much as possible. There are tricks, there are ways of perceiving the world around us that we can respond to attacks or inconveniences, stresses, through something besides anger. Some of those things, we don't have to get angry with our bosses at work if we will recognize 
that our bosses are the boss, and we are the employee, and we are to do what they say. And if we do what they say to the best of our ability, that's all we can do. They can rail, they can rant, they can put more on us, but we don't have to respond to that with anger. It takes prayer, it takes walking in the Holy Spirit, it often takes time to mature, but we don't have to. We don't have to respond to the person who cuts us off in the grocery store with their grocery cart or the person who cuts us off on the highway. We don't have to respond to those things with anger. We can smile if we want to, and we can slow down, and we can be courteous and give the pushy person the space that they desire. We have the ability to turn the temperature down on our responses, but it takes practice and it takes meditation and thought. So we're told in this passage, be angry, or when you're angry, do not sin. Deal with it quickly. Do not let it just fester or boil over. Verse 27, and I believe it's part of verse 26, do not give the devil an opportunity, because the devil will take any circumstance in our emotions, in our attitudes, in our actions, and he will take the minor things, and he will make them major. He will take anger and cause a fight. He will take anger and a fight and use it to cause physical harm. If he can, he'll use it to cause murder. Jesus talks about this in the Sermon on the Mount, that the seed of murder is anger. We need to not allow our anger to come out on our tongues, to come out in our actions and our attitudes. We see that in our world right now, as people are striking out in anger all the time. All over Facebook, all over YouTube, in riots, in public and private gatherings, people are boiling over, and we just don't have to. Our politicians can act inappropriately, but we don't have to respond to them inappropriately. People can abuse or violate images of American freedom and history, but we don't have to respond negatively. We have control, especially believers with the Holy Spirit. And we need to recognize that we are members of the body of Christ and that we are in fellowship with God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we represent the kingdom of heaven here on earth. And we are to behave differently. Jesus says in Matthew 5.48, Be therefore perfect or mature, complete, just as your Father in heaven is complete. We are children of God, and we should behave in this world as our Father desires us to behave. So we're not to give the devil an opportunity. We're not to be angry in sin. We're to deal with sin quickly. Then in verse 28, we're told, The one who steals must steal no longer. I think this is fascinating, that Paul would be telling members of the church to not steal. Now, frankly, stealing takes many levels. There are people who so casually steal from work, it's really unbelievable. They steal paper, they steal office supplies, they bring home a tool, they steal. It's kind of funny to me. It reminds me of the song that Johnny Cash sang, I Got It One Piece at a Time, where he actually starts hauling out pieces of automotive parts and builds a car with it. 
that's a humorous song, but it's reflective of a lot of what goes on in the world today. If it's not ours, we're not to take it. It doesn't matter if we're hungry. It doesn't matter if we think we need it more than the other person. If you steal, you must steal no longer. We can steal from God. We can steal from the church. We can steal those things that belong to other people spiritually. The use of our spiritual gifts, our time, our love, we can withhold what is due to them, and we need to steal no longer. Practically speaking, Paul's not talking about those spiritual applications of this. He's talking about don't take something material that doesn't belong to you. And we know that because he continues verse 28 by saying, instead, go to work. You must labor. Go to work and do good with his own hands. And this is at least the second time in Ephesians that we realize working is not a bad thing. Working is doing good with our own hands. We need to provide for ourselves. Paul tells us in another book, if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. So go to work, do good with his own hands, so that he will have something to share with the one who has need. We don't go to work just to provide for us and our family. We go to work to provide for us and our family, those that we're responsible for, but also so that we have something to give to those who need, so that they don't steal. We have an obligation to care for one another. And Paul emphasizes that at the end of verse 28. Don't steal, go to work, do some good with your own hands, and share with someone else who has need. We are members of one another. We need to care for one another by speaking the truth, by controlling our emotional outburst and our anger, and by not only not defrauding them or stealing from them, but rather giving to them when they have need. That's a pretty good picture for us to focus on today. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these truths. They're not earth-shattering. They're not mind-boggling. But they are truths that we need to be reminded of. They're certainly truths we need to pass on to our children and those who will hear us. Help us, Father, to love and to live in the body of believers within this world in a Christ-like manner. We ask these things today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for studying with us today. You can subscribe to these podcasts on Apple iTunes, Google Play, or the Facebook page Drawing Near. Drawing Near is a ministry of FBC Tip City, provided with the hope that we will draw near to God and He will draw near to us.